This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, sure you're all feeling good about your stock portfolios out there. Why wouldn't you? The market's been rallying for two months. 2017, though, could be a lot bumpier than you expected. Coming up, a conversation with Fundstrat Global Advisors, Thomas Lee. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Money Beat podcast. Paul and Stephen here in the studio with you on uh, what is a Friday afternoon, and rather than give you the time i could say you know whatever but it's not important to you what is important though and will be important for purposes of this discussion is i'm going to tell you right now what the level of the s&p 500 is and it is trading right now about 2273 keep that number in mind uh <laughs> ben eisen ben eisen with us here in the studio ben how are you i'm good how are you paul i'm i'm doing all right and on the phone Thomas Lee is co-founder and head of research at Fundstrike Global Advisors. Thomas, how are you? Hello. Happy Friday, guys. Happy Friday. And uh, I suspect you know why I mentioned the level of the S&P 500. I do, because you're going to have a test for me later, right, to see if I know the level? Right, exactly. (laughs) That's it. Right, right. No, that's not particularly the reason. Uh, for most of you out there, you probably know Tom's name. He's a longtime Wall Street strategist uh, at a lot of firms over his, his, his career. Spent last, not the last two years, but I mean, spent several years at J.P. Morgan, where he was uh, the top strategist there and now runs his own shop. And uh, Tom, Ben, I'm gonna, actually, I want to pull you in here. I want to let you kick this one off because uh, Thomas was your get. Sure. Well, what do you want me to kick off here? I want you to ask Thomas Lee of Funstrat a question. You want me to ask the first question? Yes, okay. I do. I want Alrighty. you to ask the first question. Well, t- well, Tom, I'm curious to get your take on what you think about the S&P, where you think it will end the year, because um, we sort of started here with a little bit of a rally. Maybe it's petered out a little bit this week, but um, we have a whole year ahead of us. So where do you think we'll end the year? Um, well, Ben, you know, I, you know, as you know, Trying to figure out where the market is 12 months out is, is obviously – it's a very difficult task. And so sometimes you know, the path there makes sense. We think the S&P is going to end the year almost exactly here, maybe a couple points higher. Um, but the path is going to look very different because I think you know, the first half is going to be a lot more challenging than what investors have, have seen the last four years, you know. Um, and so I think we have a pretty big drawdown. And then from there, that's the time to really get more constructive and try to buy uh, really beaten up groups. And I think we end up rallying, but it ends up pretty flat for the year. So, so tell me a little bit more about this drawdown here. Uh, what do you think the factors are that will cause this? And, and you know, how far could we go? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I think 
the first is I just want to provide a little context. You know, for the last four years, the S&P 500 has been unusually calm as a market. One way to measure it is how many days in the year are you down more than 3% from your highs? The four-year average is the lowest in the history of the stock market. So we've had we've been essentially lulled or, or spoiled because the market barely was down. In fact, last year, from February of last year to the end of the year, there were only seven days where the market was down more than 3% from its highs. Guess what the average is across the last 116 years? I'm going to guess it's more than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 147. Wow. So in uh, normal years, you spend more than half the year well off your highs, and the market's trying to climb its way back. But it hasn't happened the last four years. It's been pretty calm. And um, in, the, in, and in 2017, some unusual factors come into play that Ben and I have talked about in the past. One is the, the, the fixed income market and the and bond market more broadly, which I think is you know, a lot more insightful for equities than the equity guys generally appreciate. It's not that bullish on economic outlook right now because the curve has flattened a lot. And historically, that's pretty negative for forward um, stock market returns. And the second thing that's that's taking place this year is that it's the first year after presidential election year. 93% of the time, so 27 of the last 29 years following a presidential election, the market is down from December 31 to some point in the first half. Median decline is seven percent. Hmm. Do you do you think this presidential cycle with this man coming into the White House is even more hard to peg than in other years? I mean, I know we have he has policy prescriptions. I mean, we've already seen in, in a lot of the confirmation hearings that some of his cabinet members are have different ideas than he has, and, and you don't always know when he's going to change his mind. I mean. To me, the the answer is yes. Uh, but I, I'm asking you, you know, what do you think about this new incoming administration and and how the market is going to, how well or how much trouble the market's going to have reading it? Yeah, uh, it's a, it's you know it obviously is a really important question because you know presidential powers have really grown in the last 16 years. I mean, um, the president is a lot more powerful today than than he was in 2000. I think. What we think in our minds and even in our gut and heart are not actually what affect markets. And what I mean by that is the, the last eight years, I think we've had a president that was viewed as you know, progressive, um, you know, well-liked. In fact, you know, high approval ratings in the last, um, last term, I mean, almost record high. But the, the layering of multiple regulations on businesses in the last eight years, which is the biggest jump almost in the history of regulatory change, has actually hurt business confidence. So so we had a great stock market, and I think a president that had high approval ratings the last eight years, but I think businesses felt pretty sour. I think, in a way, the, the story of the next four to eight years is really that business confidence can recover because – all these restrictive regulations could be slowing, and that would be good. But you're right. There's, uh, I mean, look, this election was, you know, one for the history books, wasn't it? It was really controversial. Yeah, sure was. I mean, and that that sort of gets back to the question. I mean, this sort of we've been, we've been calling it, I guess, the reflation trade. But you know, since November eighth, I mean, we were very surprised at this rally. I think they 
closed out the year that is you know now sort of stalled. But what I I personally found interesting was you saw this huge rally, and and we were talking to a lot of people like you know for the, you know the blog and on the podcast and the optimism they were showing about the economy hitting a four percent growth in this you know the stock market sort of taking off wasn't reflective when you looked at all the sort of strategist notes that were coming through, um, including yours, that were coming across our desk. I mean, it wasn't that they were necessarily bearish, but they, you know, on average, I think it was about 5% growth um, in, in the S&P 500. Why do you th- why what do you think of that that sort of end of the year rally and why it seems that people are don't think that's going to sort of continue on into 2017? Um, yeah, and, and that's you know there's two two parts to that question. Um, the first is uh, you know we had published a policy manual before election day um, that had looked at um, all presidential elections since 1900, and what's interesting is. If you took a composite of the, of the 116 years <clears throat> into that election, um, what's interesting is if Trump was going to win, which is the you know a Republican, sit, you know uh, winning against an incumbent, the ra- the median rally you would have expected is seven percent, which would have taken us to 22, 25 at the end of the year, and you know we ended up with pretty close to a seven percent rally. So I mean it's nothing unusual okay. if you look at the context of um, history. But for 2017, if you um, ask why people aren't more bullish or what could cause people to be more bearish, you know, even though reflation and some of the progress, like deregulation, are, have positive effects on, on the economy, one of the things we have to keep in mind is these things, until they're set in stone, like until we have revised tax policy and we know what deregulation looks like, it's going to cause businesses to pause. And I think that's why the yield curve has been flattening is that I don't think that they that they there's a potential for CapEx to actually slow this year. So we might actually have faster growth in 2018, but maybe in 2017 it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a quick break. We have an important message for you and we will come back with more from Thomas Lee right after this. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. Paul and Steve here in the studio with Ben Eisen and on the phone, Thomas Lee. Uh, Listen, folks out there, you want more podcasts from the Wall Street Journal, you can check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at WSJ Podcasts. And if you want to subscribe, we are pretty much everywhere you would want to be 
uh, in terms of the the digital audio universe. iHeartRadio, Amazon Echo, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Of course, you can find us on WSJ.com and your Google Play Music app. We are talking with Thomas Lee from FundStrat who uh, basically is telling us that that the stock market is going to have an interesting roller coaster ride in 2017 but kind of end up exactly where it is beginning where it began the year and, and I have to ask you this Thomas um you know look this came about because people saw your predictions for 2017 and said oh Thomas Lee that's bearish Thomas Lee, I know Thomas Lee. Thomas Lee is bullish. Uh, this is different, and 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 I don't know how you feel about those labels. I, you know, look, I always get labeled myself. I consider myself a realist, but, uh, you know, it got attention. I'm sorry, Tom, but it got attention when people saw it and said they said Thomas Lee has gone bearish. Why is Thomas Lee gone bearish? And I have to ask you that question: Have you gone bearish? And and wh- why do you see things the way you see them now? Um, you know, it's uh. Yes, I think that our, you know, I run a research business here and we have clients and uh, many express surprise, you know, thinking, well, you know, in their minds, given the potential for all these positive things to happen in the economy, shouldn't we be thinking this is really great for the stock market? And the reason I think no one should be surprised is that uh, for those who follow our work closely realize our base case and the way we... uh, sort of develop our views always is based on two things. One is, what is um, fixed income and credit telling us? And I think especially it's the yield curve and the level of spread and high yield. I think that those have been really, really predictive at the key inflection points. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that we always use history as a base case. So the reason we've actually not been bearish for the last seven years is that almost everything we looked at has told us to stay on the side that we think markets could surprise to the upside. But the same set of tools we use today is telling us that there's more room for downside surprise. So I, I, I know people think that maybe there's some sudden change, but anyone who reads our reports carefully knows we've laid out the case, but it's exactly using the same process we've always used. You know, one thing I wanted to do is just uh, kind of broaden this a little bit and, and um you know, just look at some of the other analysts who have put out their their year-end targets and their predictions for what's going to happen to the S&P throughout the year. And, um, you know, it's interesting that maybe your views have changed a little bit and other people's views have changed a little bit. But really, a lot of the analysts' like year-end targets are, pretty cl- are clumped pretty close together, a lot more closely together than they have in years past. And um, I'm just curious, do you, Tom, do you make anything of that? Does that is that an indicator? Is that a contrarian indicator? Or is it just like that's the way the chips fell this year? <laughs> well, I think it probably just tells you that, um, you know, that the difference between someone who's, you know, more positive or negative, it, there's maybe not a big difference, right? I guess that's really what you're saying. And, and I think that's true for the most part because we're not – this is – it's a hard – it would be hard, and I think it would be – I would be very surprised if someone came out and said, hey, you know what, we want to be – two standard deviations from everyone else, and we're going to be up 25% this year because those years only take place after really terrible years or unless some major things, pauses happen, and the market has the valuation capability to to deliver on that. You know, like you don't – so that's one way. And, of course, then for someone to come out and say, hey, we're down 20, look, that's possible, but as you know, 
90% of all down double digit years like that are recession years. So maybe, maybe people need to be a little bolder. I mean, as you said, we're just saying the market's flat and, and that, you know, seems like a big change for us, but I, I'd, I'd say maybe most of the consensus is basically always said five, six percent a year for the last seven years. So mm-hmm. that's where everyone's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think it kind of uh, look in any world, any any uh, large group of people, there's always a sort of group think, and, and it does seem like, in my my impression, you get a lot of analysts who seem like. They, they come up with a lot of reasons why things are going to go this way, blah, blah, blah. and at the end of it, they say, well, yeah, oh, 5 to 7%. Like, is some of that just kind of groupthink? You know, like, if you come up with 5 to 7 and everyone else is saying 5 to 7 and then it's all wrong, well, you know, well, oh, I thought what everyone else was, was thinking as well. You know, I mean, is, is there an element? Is there an element of people sort of afraid to, to have a different perspective? Well, um, now you're asking a lot of questions there. And there's even, <laughs> yes, um, I am. Psychological questions, like you know, you got to get Freud in there involved with that. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, That's the next podcast. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll tell you a couple things. One, you know, I've been in this business 25 years, and I covered stocks for um, 17, and I've been a strategist for the last eight. And you know, the vast majority of people live by one mantra, which is they don't want to get fired. Okay. So they don't, they don't live to succeed. Yeah. They live to l- fight another day. And, um, and in fact, you probably heard this, uh, people talk about how in the old days, I don't know if you guys remembered, like in the nineties, we always said, you know, you can't fire, be fired for owning Coke. So I think that there is, um, that, that mentality keeps people from being bold. Mm-hmm. So- um, but you know what? You know what? Why are they unusually close this year? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, mean, I, I do wonder about the you know the idea of being close. I mean, we had what seven years of you know extraordinary easy monetary support from QE just to you know zero interest rates. Historic. It, it, we're now moving past the economy showing you know some strength, not great, as you point out all the time, Paul. And, you know, Realist, earnings earnings is now, move, you know, is growing again. You know, earnings growth is back. But there's still, I think, a lot of questions about how robust that's going to be. And that really, I mean, price has been exceeding earnings for the last few years. And you, you've seen multiples are expanded. Are earnings going to grow at enough of a pace to sort of support, uh, you know, the valuations? And I think that's a that's a very unknown question going into this year. I mean, that's yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, look. I think it's really soundly argued, and you know, only somebody who's not studied history would say, "Oh, yeah, this uh, this market's ridiculously cheap at seventeen times forward." Right? I mean, right. Um, but you know, yeah. I think that like the, these questions that we're asking, you need to ask them at the right moment. So, like in other words, today we're only um, two weeks into the year, so and nothing much has happened. So, you know, people are going to be uh, tight. Like you know, just imagine like you know uh, the people are staying pretty tight to you know the middle of the fairway. But the first downdraft we see. Yeah. I would be pretty interested to see what happens to consensus because I have a feeling a lot of folks are going to suddenly go, oh, yeah, well, I was really bullish. Now, you know, now I'm really bearish because we're down five. And that's the mistake, right? Because, you know, when you're, you know, that 
the time when you really need to be bold and say, I'm buying this all day. Yeah. Wait, I, mean, I, wait, wait, I, have to, I have to ask this because we only have a few more minutes with Tom, and I want to make sure we get this in. Uh, you have w- one of the best acronyms I think I have ever yeah, seen. I, I was going right there. Uh, yeah, I could not let this go. Uh, you have a recommendation of, of certain sectors, and they they it's computers, resources, American banks, and phone carriers. And I can I say that? Can I say that acronym I, I, on the I, air? I, I do think you can because it is a quote, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is the weirdest quote. I think I, I, I have to think I'm never going to say that. Thomas Lee is recommending crap. <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up every time I hear it. Uh, how, why did you come up with that exact acronym? And then let's talk about actually what you're recommending. Yeah. Well, you know, last year in 2016, you know, we, you know, we sort of listed five themes that we thought were reaching inflections. One of them was buying laggards. Laggards become leaders. And we did the study about multi-year laggards. And last year, laggards, that portfolio beat the market by 700 basis points. So it was up close to 18%. In a way, when clients say, Tom, what is a laggard today? I always say, look, it's low margin businesses. They've been hurt by lack of inflation. They've been hurt by the rise in regulation. And it, you know, at the end of the day, these are the groups you just mentioned, you know, industrial tech, mm. resource sector, you know, just energy materials, banks, and telephone companies because they've been hurt by net neutrality. And low margin businesses are, you know, lousy margins. So in a way, the acronym kind of fits with what these businesses are. They've been absolute hmm. junk, you know, yeah. low margins and, you know, left in the dust and things no one wants to own. So it, it's it's somewhat appropriate, actually. Wow. But it's wow. funny, too. Yeah, it is funny. I hope it catches on. <laughs> Uh, any last question for Thomas Lee before we let him go? All right. Uh, Thomas Lee, Fundstrat Global Advisors. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks Thanks. a lot. Yep. Uh, And everyone, thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate it, and we will catch up with you soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.